Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. One of the greatest hymns of Christmas that we sing every year is written by a guy by the name of Isaac Watt. Now, that name might not mean anything to you, but Isaac Watt, I guarantee you've heard the song, Joy to the World. And Joy to the World is one of the best-known Christmas hymns. We sing it every year, but I just want to ask the question today is, do we really mean that? (laughs) Do we mean joy whenever that happens? Joy for everyone? You know know what? Speaking of frustrations, I got a frustration. Let's just bend for a little bit, right? How about the corner of 8th and Douglas? Anybody else with me on this in Yankton? Okay, the four-way stop sign that's there right now. It's just crazy, right? And, and what do we really mean by joy? When we get to those parts, do we see the joy in that? Or do we see the frustration that happens? And, and, and life happens, doesn't it? Life has some frustrations that happen sometimes. And maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a person at your job. But, but sometimes we don't feel joyful. And, and this is the time of year where we're supposed to feel joyful and see that. But I tell you what, we always want joy. We just want it for our world, don't we? And as long as things are going well and going joyful for me, things are fine. But, but when it's not so good, when it's not so fun, that's when the problems happen. Well, I'm going to teach you a memory verse, and it's 1 Thessalonians 5.16. It's going to be on the screen here as well. I'd like us to read this together, and we're going to memorize this verse. You can say, when I was at church today on Sunday, we memorized a verse together. Let's read it together. Rejoice always, even when your microphone doesn't work. <laughs> Rejoice always. Everybody look like right here. Are you kidding me? We're supposed to rejoice all the time. We're supposed to rejoice when I look at my bank account and I don't know how I'm going to get through the rest of the month. We're supposed to rejoice when the doctor comes in and says, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. We're supposed to rejoice when that person that we stood in front of the church and stood at the altar and, and, and said we're going to live the rest of our life with came to us and says, no, nah, I don't want to be with you anymore. Are we supposed to rejoice when that happens? See, I would contend we would say yes, but man, when the rubber meets the road, that's kind of hard, church. And I don't know where you're at here today, and I in no way want to minimize anything that you're going through, but, but I think we need to understand, if we're going to understand to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to understand what it means to rejoice. Statistics will tell us that 25% of Americans, 25% of Americans experience depression during the holiday season. And church, that was B.C., that was before COVID, okay? I think those numbers have probably gone up a little bit right now. Don't you agree with that? One-fourth of the people during the most wonderful time of the year feel depressed. I would contend it's because we don't understand joy. We don't understand what that means. And if you're a guest here today, again, we're so glad you're joining us, watching online, listening to our podcast. We've been in a series called The Gifts of Christmas. And these are gifts that we've been talking about because every single person I've ever known wants these gifts. Every single person desires to have these gifts, but yet I would contend we look for these gifts in all the wrong places. And I don't know what's going to be under your tree this week, but I want to tell you these four gifts should be. And we have an opportunity to do that as well. The first week we talked about the gift of hope. And here's what I said about hope. Hope depends on where you attach your hope to. If you've attached your hope to your 401k, good luck with that. If you've attached your hope to a political party, let's see how that works for you. If you've attached your hope to a relationship, fill in the blank. Because here's what I'm going to say. Everything you attach your hope to in this world at some point is going to disappoint you. 
It doesn't matter how much they love you. I guarantee you at some point they're going to hurt you. And that depends on what you attach your hope to. But here's what I said. Here's the good news about the gift of hope. When you attach your hope to Jesus Christ, you are never disappointed. He will never let you down. And that's what we need to attach our hope to. That's the first gift of Christmas. And last week, we talked about the gift of peace. And I made kind of a radical statement. I said, listen, as human beings, we are not capable of peace. And if you disagree with that statement, go back and watch the message again. And I gave you time after time after time where human beings have made peace agreements and have broken them over and over and over again. Why? Because on our own, we are not capable of peace. The only time we can receive the gift of peace is when we receive it from above. An undeserved gift that God gave us that we can get. And then when we get it, it starts upward and it moves inward. So we have to receive these gifts. That's what we said about these gifts. They're not gifts unless you actually receive them. And if you haven't received the gift of peace in your life, you're not going to have peace. If you want to have peace, you have to first receive the gift of peace. And then you have to put it outward. If you really truly have peace in your heart, if you received it from above, everything around you should feel that peace. We talked about how we think of peace as a place or peace as a season we need to get to. Every single one of those will let us down, church. Peace is something we can only get from above. We move it in, and then we push it out, and that's how we do that. Well, today, like I talked about, we're going to talk about the gift of joy. And if you got your note sheet, this is our little note sheet, and on the back of this, this is blank. There's a reason why this is blank is because we want you to write some things down on the back of it. And just so you can have those and take them with you. I know some of you have developed your own notebooks that you take. I love that. That's awesome. Every week, bring those and write them down. But there's some things we need to understand about these gifts. And here's what we're going to talk about joy. I'm going to give you two things that joy is not. I think we don't fully understand what joy is. So I'm going to give you the first one here. This is what joy is not. Joy is not an emotion. This is the biggest misconception when it comes to joy. We think laughter, happy, smile. That's what we think of when we think about joy. But here's what I've heard. Joy is not a sentiment. It's a substance. Joy is not a sentiment. It is a substance. See, no matter how bad things get around you, you can still have joy because of what is within you. That is what joy means. Now, this would be a really good place for one of those um, you know, marriage jokes about a husband and wife, but, but here's, why, here's why I'm not doing that. Because those of you who know me understand I'm the emotional one in our relationship, okay? So I'm all over the place. I'm up and down, and Elaine's great, and she's just nice and steady. And that's a, so, but you know in a relationship, in, in your family, if you have, you're either the emotional person or you know the emotional person. Can we agree on that, right? And one moment to the next can be up, it can be down. You can be excited, you can be down. That's not what joy is. Joy is not an emotion. See, emotions can change. Emotions go up and down just like the waves of the ocean. But joy never changes. Here's the second thing that joy is not. Joy is not about circumstances. Joy is not an emotion, but joy is not circumstances. You've heard me say this before. Life is not what happens to you. Life is not what happens to you. Life is how you respond to what happens to you. Can we agree we have no control over what happens to us? Some guy can cut you off in traffic and your day just goes like that, right? You have no control over that. We talked about that before, the hurts and the pains that we've experienced in our life. Sometimes those were things that were completely out of our control. But the key is how we respond to it. You may have heard this before. If somebody spits on you, it doesn't make you mad. It just makes you wet. 
and kind of disgusting too, right? <laughs> Especially in COVID, that's the grossest thing you can do is spit on somebody, right? That's why I sit way back here because I spit when I talk, so front row. <laughs> you might want to wear a mask. I'm just kidding. Okay, but that's what it means. It's not about our circumstances. In church, I'm going to say something, and this might hurt, and I, and I love you with all my heart, but here's the thing. If you got up this morning and you were frustrated, you made a choice to do that. If you got up this morning and you're discouraged, you made a choice to be discouraged. If you got up and you're angry, you made a choice about that. So much of our life is not what happens to us, it's how we respond to it. You know, I heard this story about a mom who was trying to wake her son up Sunday morning to go to church, and he just wasn't getting out of bed, wasn't doing it, mom was trying, and the son was just like, Mom, I just don't want to go to church. And the mom said, well, there's two problems with that, son. The first problem is you're 42 years old, and the second problem is you're the pastor, okay? <laughs> and then I said to my mom, okay, mom, I'll go. <laughs> Did I mention my mom lives in town now? That makes her job a lot easier. <laughs> Here's the thing. There's going to be times in our life we just don't want to. Can we agree on that? There's going to be some times where we just like, I don't feel it. I don't feel it today. Joy means we're still going to do it no matter what our circumstance is. Luke 9, 23. Jesus said to them all, whenever Jesus says something, it's kind of important. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Church, we're going to come back to this, but I don't want you to miss this before we move on. Take up their cross daily and follow me. Every morning when you get out of bed, you have a choice. How are you going to live this day out? Circumstances are going to happen. You can't change the past. You can't what happened, change what happened yesterday. You can't control what happens today. But you can take up your cross, and you can follow Jesus. And I am so excited. We've been talking about this the last four weeks, but I'm so jacked up about this next series we're going to be doing. We're going to be starting 2020, January 2022, sorry, 2022. We're going to be starting to look at the life of Jesus. This is a series that I put together. I've spent about two years working on this. I'm so excited about this. And we're going to be talking about what it means to follow Jesus. On the front of your note sheet, if you want to take that out, there's our vision statement. And, and I'd like us to read our vision statement together. It's right on that top line where it says vision on there. Our vision is we want people to do what? Meet Jesus. All right, church, my, my, my people that have been here, you guys can do better than that. Our vision as a church is we want people to do what? We want people to meet Jesus. If we want people to meet Jesus, you know what we should do? We should understand who Jesus was. And so we're going to spend all the way to Easter walking through the life of Jesus. We're going to talk about the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four accounts we have of Jesus. I've been calling them the four dudes, right? We're going to call them the four dudes, and we're going to walk through that together as a church. And for 15 weeks, we're going to go through the life of Jesus. I'm so excited about it because here what I'm, here's what I'm going to say. It comes back to that verse in Luke chapter 9. What does it mean to every day deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus? That's what it means, church. And man, when we can get that, we can understand the life of Jesus. And we're going to do it in a really cool, in-depth way, walking through that. I hope you can come and be a part of that. And if you're watching online, I, I hope that you can tune in. And man, this is going to be a, a great journey. But I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke, we talked about this. Matthew and Luke are the two accounts we have of the, the birth of Jesus. So in a way, we've kind of just started this series. And uh, 
with Christmas because we're going to look at the birth of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 2, we're going to talk about one of the central characters in the Christmas narrative. You really can't talk about Christmas without mentioning these characters. We don't know any of their names. They're just categorized by one group. And you might have guessed that we're talking about the shepherds. If you're not familiar with the story of Jesus, the narrative of how he was born, Mary and Joseph had to leave their home where they were from because of the Roman census. They had to travel to Joseph's hometown. How many of you are traveling for Christmas to your hometown? Some of you, right? Okay. This is, they're traveling to their hometown, and, and, and they're going to have a census taken. And while they were there, Mary came and had the baby. And as we watched in that video earlier, they had to lay him in a stable because there was no room in the inn. And the birth of the Savior as we've talked about how Israel has been waiting for thousands of years for their Messiah to be born. The King of Kings, the promised one of God is here, planet earth. And how does the God of the universe announce the greatest news that's ever happened? I want you to think about this and wrap your minds around this for a second. We've all had that where there's a birth announcement, right? Or, hey, we're pregnant. Or we have the big thing now, the gender reveals. And they're like, oh, you know, should we do them? Should we not do them? But, but especially when the baby's actually born, right? That's a big deal. We announce that. We put it out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all kinds of ways. We used to have to call on the telephone. How many remember those days, right? We call them on the phone. Hey, you had a baby. This is cool. Why am I telling you that? Because I want you to stop for a minute and think about it. How would God the God of the universe, announced that this Messiah, this Savior was born. What would he do? He went, and let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 8. He did something very interesting. There were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Here's what you need to understand about shepherds in that culture. Shepherds were the lowest of the low socially in a Jewish culture. These are the people that were probably very uneducated. We, we probably for sure they didn't know how to read and write. Um, like I said, they were considered kind of unclean, lower class. Maybe some of them were lower functioning. I don't know that. But just think about the lowest of the low. And I want to go back to my question. The God of the universe shows up on planet earth. He has the greatest news, the greatest announcement of all time. And who does he appear to? These lowly shepherds on a hillside. Why would he do that? Why would he not drop down in the middle of downtown Jerusalem and say, hey, everybody, guess what happened? Why would he go out to a hill with a bunch of, can I just say it, degenerates and, and display for them the glorious news of God? I'm going to tell you because here's what I want you to understand. I think our God thinks differently than we do. And, and there's really three things that the shepherds did. And, and if you got your notes, you want to write these down. I'm going to give you three choices the shepherds made. Remember when I said joy was a choice? And, and here's what I say. We're going to follow these shepherds and the choices that they choose to make to understand what joy really means. Here's the first choice the shepherds made. The first thing they did was they listened. Now, you might not think that's a big deal, but here's what I'm going to tell you. If you hear good news, but you're not listening, you don't really hear it. You need to understand it and hear it. We, we have this thing in our culture right now called clickbait. 
Okay, if you're not familiar with that term, what that means is on the internet, there's all these little flashy ads that pop up that tell you all these great things like, you know, 40-year-old man in Yankton now makes $50,000 doing this one simple thing, right? How many of you guys have seen those ads before? <laughs> Who actually clicks on that stuff, right? I, I don't get it. I, I mean, obviously, it works. Otherwise, there's millions of dollars spent in advertising. But, but why do they do that? Because advertisers know that we like good news. We like to hear about good things. We like to see that, and that's why we do that. We follow good news. So here's the question I want to ask you. What are you listening to? More negative or more positive? Because here's the thing. If you're looking for good news, you'll find it. The other thing is true. If you're looking for bad news, you'll find it. If you don't believe me, turn on the news at night. That's why I don't usually watch the news at night, because it's just a lot of bad news, isn't it? What you're focusing on. What are you listening to? If it's only negative, sometimes we listen to that. Carl Lentz made this statement. It should take me forever to get through my praise reports before I even notice a problem. I love that. See, joy is I'm going to choose to listen to the positive stuff. I'm going to receive what is good and what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. You remember this passage, church, we went through Philippians? Any of those things, I'm going to choose to listen to that, not the garbage that the world has. I'm going to truly listen to good news. And the reason why God appeared to shepherds on a hillside is because they knew he knew that they would receive that and they would understand that. Look at what happens in verse 13. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with an angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Can we agree that was a pretty awesome concert? <laughs> the heavenly hosts appear and sing the announcement of Jesus Christ. I mean, Friday night here was pretty good. I mean, I was here was pretty good, but, but I think that might have been better, okay? The hillside was announced it, but here's what I want you to know. The shepherds listened, didn't they? But they didn't stop at just listening. And this is one of the important things you need to understand about joy. And I'm gonna give you number two, the three choices they made. The first one is they listened, but the second one is they responded. They chose to respond. See, it isn't good news until you respond to it. How many of you, when you get a text message or send a text message, you like to get a response back, right? We do that. And, and this is a really cool thing about phones now. I love it. Like they have this thing where you can just tap the text message and you can get a thumbs up or like a love. They have a little heart or those types of things. But you're responding. You're getting a response to the message you sent. And it's really frustrating when you send a message to somebody and you don't get a response, right? That's the point of Christmas. God sent us a message. He said, listen, the greatest news that ever happened, the Savior of the world is here, and it doesn't matter that I give you the message and you listen to it unless you choose to respond to it. And the shepherds did that. Look at what happens in verse 15. After the angels left them. Don't miss that, church. After the angels left, they didn't just say, hey, great show, great, now let's go back to, to herding sheep again. No, after they left him and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in the manger. The reason why a lot of times we miss Christmas is because we hear it, we might listen to it, but we don't respond to it. The shepherds responded to it. And if I could just be honest with you guys, I think there's a lot of people who get stuck in the fields outside Bethlehem. They hear the good news of God, but they never do anything about it. And they don't respond to what God is telling them to do. That's one of the reasons why I tell you all the time to take notes. 
because I want you to be able to respond to it. I don't want to just sit here and talk and listen and feel good about ourselves and leave. That doesn't change anything. We need to respond to it and see that. Another reason why I'm so excited about this series and to walk through the life of Jesus Christ is what I'm going to provide for you is every day I'm going to provide a devotion. And from the beginning of January all through Easter, we're going to have an opportunity to read all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm going to challenge you to do that. Now, some of you might not get through it the whole time. That's fine. But I want to equip you to be able to walk through that together, even if it takes you longer than the series. Why do I want to do it? Because God's word is his love letter to us. And if we don't just, if we just listen to it, we don't respond to it. If we don't open our Bibles and study it, it wastes the time. There's no point doing that. See, presents are given to be open. Gifts are meant to be received. God has given us a gift of good news. We need to respond to it. But here's the problem. And maybe this has been with you before. I think a lot of times why people maybe don't read their Bible. I think a lot of times why people don't show up to life groups. I think sometimes why people don't come to church on Sunday is because maybe they don't want the response. Maybe there's something in their life. Maybe they feel guilty. Maybe there's something they're struggling with. And they're like, man, if you've known how many mistakes I made this week, man, I don't, I don't feel worthy to come. I don't feel worthy to respond to the call that God has given on my life. And if that's you today or if you're watching online, I want to tell you something. I love you with all my heart. And God does too. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. We have a saying around here. It says, welcome home. We're glad that you're here. You don't need the guilt. You don't need the shame. See, God didn't come to rub your sin in. He came to rub it out. And that's the good news that we can have. So there's never no shame or guilt in responding to God's call in your life. But there's one more thing that we need to understand about the shepherds before we move on to our next point. Because I think if, if you miss this part, I think you miss this about the shepherds. See, here's the thing about shepherds. Their job was to sit in the fields and watch over the flocks and manage the animals. If any of you ever been on a farm, that's a full-time gig, right? You know, animals can be a lot of work. They're a lot of pain. They're, they're a lot of focus. These guys were basically, in a sense, you could think of them as slaves. They, they, they didn't have their own, they were probably hired by people to do this, but not in like a job sense. It's like a slave sense. Why am I telling you that? In the first century, if you were a shepherd and you left your sheep on the hillside unattended, the sentence was death. So when the shepherd says, hey, Let's go to Bethlehem and find this baby, this announcement that had. Basically, what they're saying to us is they're saying, I am going to do this knowing it's going to cost me my life. And we don't know this from Scripture, but there's a good possibility that some of those shepherds might have actually been executed because they left their sheep and went into seeing Bethlehem. And my question to you is, what's stopping you? What's stopping you from responding? Because see, the shepherd said, listen, this is such good news. I'm going to take my life into my own hands, literally, and I'm going to respond to that. And I'm not trying to minimize this because I guarantee you, every single time you choose to follow Jesus and respond to him, there is a cost. There is a cost. Sometimes you lose relationships. Sometimes you lose uh, friendships. Sometimes you lose an action that you don't want to be a part of, but that's what it is. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's money. It always costs us something. And there are Christians around the world that when they gather on Christmas Eve, it could literally cost them their life. Thank God we live in a free country where we can just say, well, I got better things to do than go to church, right? <laughs> I wonder what that sounds like to the heart of God. What's it going to cost you to be here Christmas Eve, right? It always costs us to respond. Here's the third choice that the shepherds made. They shared it. 
So they didn't just listen to it. They didn't just respond to it. They shared it. Look at what verse 17 says. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. They heard the good news. They saw the heavenly host. They literally took their lives into their own hands, went to find this baby, and once they found it, they told everybody about it, and all who were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. My question to you today is when you tell people about Jesus, are they amazed? I wonder if when we tell people about Jesus, if they see the joy in our hearts or they see something else. Because when the shepherds told the people, the Bible says they were amazed at what they said, saw. And that was the joy that had it. And, and I think the reason is I don't think we fully understand the good news of Jesus. I think if we fully got it, I think it would change everything about why we do it. Let me give you an example. What I want you to do right now, mentally in your mind, you don't have to write it down, but I want you to think about all of the debts that you currently have. Credit card debt, student loan debt, car debt, mortgage, whatever you got, just go ahead and add that up. Now I want you to imagine the fact that you look under your chair and under your chair is an envelope that's got a check in it with that exact amount. You're 100% debt free. Okay, now I want you to look under your chairs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just messing with you. How many of you would say that would be pretty good news? All right. I think it'd be awesome news, wouldn't it? How many of you would take that check and go, oh, that's really nice. And you'd put it in your purse and you just go home and go about your business. No, you'd like post that all over the place, right? You'd be like, this is awesome. This is great. What a great church, man. This is awesome. This is fantastic. Now, why do I say that? Think about what Jesus did. Think about this cross. That's what that represents, church. Do you understand my debts are canceled? Do you understand that there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ? Do you understand that for so God loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall never perish but have eternal life? I think that might be some good news. And, and do you know why I think the church in the United States of America is on the decline? If you don't believe that, there's some statistics I can show you. I think the reason why that's happening is because we in this country as believers of Jesus Christ don't understand that joy. And, and we think Sunday morning is optional. If I don't have anything better going on, I guess I'll come. I, I don't get that. And like I said, when we share Jesus Christ and we share about the church and we share about what God's done in our life, are people amazed? Because I guarantee you, people would be amazed if you said, man, I had all this debt and it's completely wiped out. They'd be amazed by that. And I don't think it's the action. Don't miss this. I don't think it's the action that amazes them. I think it's our attitude. Do we have an attitude of amazement and say, wow, look at what God's done in my life, man. I'm totally free from sin. I can, I, I'm blessed, I can do that, and now I can go, and because of that, I can go and I can forgive you. You're kind of a jerk, and I love you, but I forgive you, because I can, because I'm free. Do you see the difference between joy and happy? And I wonder if in the church, that's why we struggle with that. Are people amazed when they hear about Jesus from us? Let's just be honest. It's not fun to be around miserable people. Can we just be agree on that? Some people are miserable. It's not fun to be around them. Some of you maybe have family members you're going to see for the one and only time this year, and you're not looking forward to it. Don't lay in their name right now, okay? Don't say it. But it's not fun to be around miserable people. But here's what I want to tell you something. It's fun to be around joyful people, isn't it? When people are joyful, you want to be around them. You want to feel that. You want to see that. And it's attractive to be around joyful people. Here's what I want you to know. Our world 
is dying of thirst for joyful people. They are dying of thirst to see people who have the source of joy, which is Jesus Christ. And we need to share that, church. We need to not only listen to it, we need to respond to it, but we need to share it as well. See, joy cannot be bottled up. It can't be kept to ourselves. You can't cap it. You can't zap it. To truly receive something, you have to give it away. So what I want to ask you today, are you like the shepherds? Are you joyful like that? Look at those three things one more time. When you hear the word of God, do you really listen to it? And when you listen to it, do you respond to it? And then finally, do you share? And when you share, are people amazed by that? Do they look at that and they say, wow, my debt is canceled. It's set free. It's the greatest news that was ever told. And I think the reason why God went to those shepherds is because he knew that they would do those three things. Now we got to ask ourselves, are we going to do the same? Let's pray. God, I'm so grateful for the love that you've given. And God, when you had the greatest news that ever been told, you didn't send an email, you didn't do a Facebook blast, you didn't get on cable network news, you went to a hillside with the lowest of the low, the shepherds, and you put on a heavenly concert that will never be equal this side of heaven. Because you knew that those shepherds would do those things. You knew that they would listen to what you had to say. Not only would they listen, God, they would take their lives in their own hand. They would go find that baby because they wanted to see this great thing that had happened. And after they left the presence of that little baby, their lives were never the same. And they went and all they could talk about was what happened. And God, you say in your word, the people were amazed and what the shepherds had to say. God, that's my prayer for this church. That every man, woman, and child in the sound of my voice, whether in this room or online, would be amazed by what you've done in their life. And when you have a conversation, when we have conversations with people, God, that's the only thing we can talk about because we're so amazed by what you've done. Your love and your grace. And God, I know that there's guilt sometimes. There's some regrets we all have those doubts where we question ourselves or we question what we've done. And God, I just pray that you would remove those because those are joy suckers. And they rob us of that joy that you give as a gift. And God, you don't just give this gift at Christmas time. You give it all the time. I pray that we would receive that. And we ask all these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless.